Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. Glad you were able to join us today. No Sean Kane, just Corey here. We'll have Adam Bittner on to talk maybe some more quarterback controversy and some Penn State football a little bit later in the show. The transfer portal has gone absolutely nuts, so we have a lot to talk about there. 2023 recruiting is still underway. Early signing day, just a week or two away. We got a lot to talk about there. See you just after the other the other side of the intermission. In a hardcore Penn State football, I'm Corey Listoki. With me, not as always, the great Sean Kane, who who is literally not with us tonight. Um, sorry about that. Um, that's what happens when Sean's not here. Uh, yeah, Sean just had some family things come up. Uh, nothing too serious, but um, definitely you know keeping in back of your mind nonetheless. But he should be back with us on Sunday. I can tell you right now, the Sunday episode is going to be on Sunday night instead of Sunday morning. So we'll probably be Sunday night instead of Sunday morning. Uh, let me. So since it's just me, make sure you guys are are hopping on to YouTube and you're you're commenting. You've already liked the video. You're subscribed if you haven't been subscribed. I see Jacob Sparrow's already in the house. He says, "All right, all right, all right." Let me take Sean's spot tonight. Hey. I'm going to be kind of counting on the chat a little bit to kind of keep the conversation going. As I said on the on the pre-show there, we do have Adam Bittner joining us again. He was on the show, I think, post-Michigan week, but before the Minnesota game, I believe. And so he'll be back. I'm sure he's going to want to talk to Drew Aller because in his mind, what he thought was going to happen came to fruition. And he thinks he has or he had the – the right plan after all. So we'll get him on. Sean's on here, so I'm drinking a little bit tonight. Made myself a double. We'll see how long that lasts for me tonight as well. Uh, we got a lot of talk about in the transfer portal news. I have, like, and I'm sure a lot of people that have followed Penn State football or, or college football in general, 
transfer portal officially opened on Monday. Grad transfers could have gotten a little bit earlier, but a Monday was the official day. And it has been draining three days to kind of focus in on who's in the portal, who, you know, where people might go. It's been a lot. I will talk a little bit more a little bit later in the show about what I think about the transfer portal. I think there's a little bit of a need need jerk reaction to a certain degree as far as people getting upset about it that I think it will calm down after this year. But nonetheless, we'll talk about that a little bit later. 2023 recruiting class. We'll probably finish up the, the episode today on that. Some some big recruits coming in here. I, I have two guys I expect to see uh, commit to Penn State probably in the next week or two. And so we'll, we'll get to those guys a little bit later. Um, I think one of them was talked about significantly on Blue White Illustrated yesterday on their YouTube video. So uh, check them out as well. Uh, we'll start the show with PSU in the NFL, and we do have some fan questions. So we got a pretty jam-packed show. It's going to be more pragmatic than usual because I got a lot to go through. I mean, I got I got notes for days here on on what we need to talk about, and I got some pretty significant notes and some scribbles. So we do have a lot to talk about today. And so we, we you know, it might not be as much dialogue as usual with Sean not being here, but we'll we'll still have a good time nonetheless. Uh, I guess I what I can do is throw up the show, show schedule uh, approximately if you're watching live approximately at 930 Eastern. We'll have Adam Bittner on. So we have about 25 minutes until he, he blesses us with his presence. And so I want to go to PSU and the NFL first like we usually do. Um, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Jacob, I think you said you said you got the Sean solo show. I, I I think you meant Corey, but I appreciate that nonetheless. Um, Jacob, how are you doing tonight? And uh, we'll kind of get right into this puppy. But let's start with PSU and the NFL. I guess we don't even need to go to the show the show schedule. I don't know why that word is choking me up so much today. It does remind me. So back before Sean joined me on this podcast adventure. I did this thing solo, did it for about a year solo. So it's not live, but it's bringing me back to my my roots a little bit here. See if we can throw that up for you guys. And we will just briefly show the show schedule and then we will move right into PSU and the NFL. I know I don't I don't think I put it down on the PSU and the NFL graphic. So we will just say this right away that John Reed did sign. Former Penn State cornerback, he did sign. He was on, I want to say, the Arizona. It might have been the Atlanta practice squad, but regardless, Tennessee signed him off of the practice squad. He's now with the Tennessee Titans, and so he has signed that as well. And, yeah, that Penn State basketball game was not great. I'm glad they played early, so I was able to watch it. But, yeah, that was not a great showing by them, in my opinion. But um, let's go right into PSU and the NFL. And, and really, again, just an incredible week. I think it's – I remember growing up watching Penn State football and, like, there's a lot of great defensive players in the NFL, but there really wasn't a ton of offensive talent in the NFL, and that has completely just com- completely changed. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the list. It's just it's just insane, honestly. Like, it, it, it really is insane um, just how many guys are making impacts on, on NFL offenses. Uh, 
I thought I saw Mark Creator comment something there, but I think it just disappeared on me. Um, but Jahan Dotson, five catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown, and his game back, been having that nagging hamstring for a while. So that's nice to see him get back on. They actually have a bye week, so he should get even more healthy before he, they face the Giants yet again. So that's kind of weird. Play the Giants bye week, then they play the Giants again. Speaking of Giants, Saquon Barkley, not a great day, 81 total yards, but he did have another touchdown. Miles Sanders, not a great day rushing, but he had a touchdown. I actually benched Miles Sanders this week. Higgins tried to tell me to play Miles Sanders, and I actually went against Higgins, which I usually don't do, but it paid off for me. Pat Fryer moved, no touchdown, but he had three catches, 76 yards. He's really started to become a uh, a safety blanket for 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 Pickett there. So that, that's good for his future. Robbie Gold, I don't know if you guys saw this tweet by Sean on our Hardcore PSUFB Twitter, but he said something about Robbie Gold. The Bears are playing Sean's beloved Dolphins, and this, this will be Dolphin plug of the week for Sean. He'll be happy that I mentioned the Dolphins. But Robbie Gold, four for four. Uh, on field goals, three for three and extra points, 15 points in that game against the Dolphins. So that was that was impressive to see. I can't believe he's still kicking it, literally and figuratively, of course. Chris Godwin got a – you know, Chris Godwin, I had a really close fantasy game this past week. Down to the last Monday night, he had Leonard Fernandez. I had Chris Godwin, and it was like back and forth on every dink and dunk pass by Tom Brady. And it was so close. And when Godwin scored that touchdown at the end of the game, and it was actually called back by another Penn State player in left tackle Donovan Smith, who had two holding calls on that drive. But the irony of Chris Godwin scoring a touchdown and getting called back by a former Penn State player, I thought was pretty funny. He still had eight catches for 63 yards. But, um, yeah, that was a, that was a nitty-gritty performance there for my fantasy squad. Thankfully, they, they were able to get the job done. I wanted to give a shout-out to Jordan Stout former Penn State punter. He had five punts. He had six punts total, but five of them inside the 20, which is just unreal. I think he had over 300 yards punting, too, for the day, which I don't, you know, obviously 300 yards punting isn't the same as having 300 yards passing, but still pretty freaking impressive, all things considered. Nick Scott. Nick Scott's been having a really good season. The Rams have not been having a good season. Defensively, Rams haven't even been very good. But Nick Scott's having a really good year. Eight more tackles. And then Carl Nassib, he had a sack in a big moment against Andy Dalton, who I still can't believe is in the NFL. So there's your PSU in the NFL for week 13. Um, I was going to go, but I pull up. And this is something I realized, too. When you don't have as much dialogue, um, you, you don't necessarily – you get through things a lot faster. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. So I can add some ad libs here, but we are going to breeze through some things a little bit quicker than maybe we usually do. So we still have 20 minutes until good old Adam Bittner joins us. So I say we go to fan questions right off the bat, kind of keep the the interest alive here. So let's go fan questions next. I think we can get through. We only have three tonight. I think we can get through them. Um, I made myself an old fashioned Jacob Sparrow. Thank you for asking. Usually don't do it, but figured with Adam Bittner coming on, I need to start drinking early since he's gonna he's gonna throw us some some Drew Aller should have started the whole season talk. I need to get a base layer. No. Um in all seriousness, we love Adam Bittner coming on. We love having the diverse perspectives, uh, whether or not we agree with them. And you know, he said something really nice to, uh, about us. You know, basically Adam Bittner doesn't have to have a platform on Twitter, right? He 
gets paid to do what he wants to do. We don't get paid anything. We're just here to, for fun. And he sure up said he respects us and, and, and we can take it as much as we give it. So I, I respected him for saying that. Um, and, and we, you know, although we disagree on opinions regarding Penn state football, it is, it is nice to have him on and he'll be on in about 19 more minutes. Let's go fan questions though, because why not? Um, and look at that. Things are actually working really fast today. So, again, fan question time. If you're not already following us on Twitter, Hardcore PSUFB, we ask for questions all the time on Twitter. I think on Twitter, there's a little bell. If you hit that bell, every time we tweet, you'll get a notification. And one of those tweets are going to be saying, hey, we want your questions. Get your questions in. We Twice a week right now, we're taking questions. Once the offseason starts and we go to once a week, you know, we might not. Uh, you know, might, might not be taking your questions every two weeks, maybe just once a week. But still, give us your questions. We really appreciate it. Uh, right off the bat here, we got Mr. Mr. Einstein von Braun, who is a who's a, a, a local legend for us. And this may be kind of, you know, use the other side of the brain a little bit because we haven't really been talking about realignment as much since the season has started. Um, but now that we're getting kind of away from that a little bit, I think it's 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 good to bring in some of those offseason topics. And, and realignment is one of them. And he says, has there been more chatter about other conference realignments out of USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten? Uh, I want to start with the Big Ten, though, because obviously Penn State's focused on that. And Matt Brown just released a, like literally five minutes ago, um, a letter. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, from the NCPA, which I do not know what that acronym stands for, but something to do with California. Uh, they released a letter to the UC Board of Regents requesting that they oppose UCLA's move to the Big Ten, arguing the move would hurt athlete health and academic outcomes, and that would only provide money that would benefit a few. And you can, again, find Matt Brown on Twitter at MattBrownEP, and I highly recommend it. He's got a newsletter that's really solid, too. Matt Brown does a good job of covering the non-football side of college football and he does it for all athletics too not just college football but he's a great hire on or great follow on twitter highly recommend it um but i wanted to throw that out there because i think people think it's a done deal that ucla gets to go and i don't know if it is 100 percent a done deal there and what and and there's going to be some battling going on there so uh pay attention to that i i think at the end it's not going to matter but um but pay attention to that i i did kind of snoop around a little bit to answer this question because I hadn't really thought about it very much. And the SEC commissioner, Sankey, he said something to the lines of this week, hey, why would we expand? We're going to be at 16 teams once Oklahoma and Texas comes in. We're not going to expand just for the hell of it, right? Anyone that comes in is going to have to add value. And he was asked specifically about Notre Dame, and he's and he still kind of said no. So who knows if that's just all smoke? I would find it very, very surprising if they wouldn't take Notre Dame, if Notre Dame was interested. I would be surprised if they wouldn't take a Clemson, if they were interested, or a, I don't know, trying to think of somebody in a different market that would help them. Maybe a Virginia. Maybe a... 
Cincinnati. If you go to the West Coast, maybe, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go. You could argue maybe in Arizona, Arizona State, if they want to go that direction. But regardless, I'd be surprised if they weren't interested. He made it seem like they 100% weren't interested. And I'm just not sure if I'm buying that. But that's the latest there. Um, I did see, and this is probably about a month ago, actually, that UConn wouldn't be surprised if UConn is going to be joining the Conference USA. So keep that in mind. UConn having a pretty good year this year, going to be in a bowl game. I believe they are playing. It's going to take me a second to remember. Somebody interesting that we're kind of excited about. If someone remembers who UConn's playing, that'd be fantastic in chat. But yeah, that's all I got as far as uh, Mr. Mister. As far as your question goes, nothing crazy yet. I think it's going to simmer down a little bit. I mean, that's what the Big Ten Commissioner Warren said. Like, it's it's not going to all happen in a frenzy at once. And so, and, and so yeah, I, I would expect it to maybe calm down a smidgen more. Speaking of bowl games, we will have a bowl pick'em challenge. Probably going to get it out next or tomorrow, Thursday. I'm recording this Wednesday night. Probably be out tomorrow, so check Twitter. Basically, you're going to download the Excel spreadsheet. You're going to fill it out, and you're going to email it back to me. I think we're going to do a $10 uh, a $10 buy-in. So the more we get, obviously, the more money that's going to be in the pool, and we'll figure that out. So uh, probably Venmo. Maybe I can hook up a different, maybe PayPal. But we'll uh, we'll go from there. And thank you, Jacob. Yes, UConn plays Marshall, so I appreciate that. Uh, let's go to the next question, as we got 14 minutes. So the Adam Bittner countdown starts. Uh, this is another good question. This one's from Mason Hicks, who's actually on YouTube tonight. So we appreciate that, Mason. Um, and Mason also said Virginia Tech would be a good addition. Not going to lie. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech would be. Football's not there. Uh, Virginia Tech for a while there had like some of the most people in the transfer portal of anybody. And so Brent Price got some serious work there. Uh, Mark Creter mentioned Deion Sanders is proving to be a thorn in everyone's side so far. Kreider, Kreider, thank you. Appreciate that uh, for, for correcting me. We'll, we'll talk Deion Sanders in a little bit for sure. And, uh, and yeah, no doubt, Colorado has offered pretty much everybody, I feel like, in the transfer portal at this point. Uh, but let's get to Mason Hicks' question here. How do you feel about only four players entering the transfer portal? Do you think we'll lose more after the Rose Bowl, or is this pretty much it? How many guys would you like to see come in from the portal and at what positions? Yeah, so we're going to talk a lot more about this after Adam Bittner comes on. So I don't want this to be, you know, you guys get the vibe of this is the end of the conversation. And so if you're only watching the fan questions segment, because we put the fan questions segment out as its own video, I highly recommend you check out the full video because we're going to talk about this a lot more. Uh, but to answer your question, Mason, Right now, technically, there's five players in the transfer portal for Penn State, but but still, the point is still, you know, important. Um, yes, I think we are going to lose more players in this, to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more tomorrow. I, it's not a uh, it's not a sprint when it comes to the transfer portal. It's going to be a it's going to be a little bit of a marathon. I mean, it, and very much the dominoes could fall. Right. If, if Penn State gets a couple of defensive linemen, maybe a couple more come out. If Penn State gets a couple of corners, maybe a corner comes out, and if Penn State gets a couple of wide receivers, maybe a wide receiver leaves. 
So it's not so much they all happen at once, then, you know, the floodgates open and then they close. It's going to be more of, you know, a a trickle down. It's going to be more of like a waterfall where, you know, the top falls and when that water collects, maybe water falls down to the next level and and so forth. So it's 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 just kind of starting. And so just just keep that in mind as we go through this whole process. On top of that, I also think there are some players that want to go to the Rose Bowl and experience that because Penn State hadn't been there since 2016. And so I think that does does weigh a little bit onto it. And also, maybe some guys want to see how much they're going to play, right? Maybe they want to see, okay, the bowl game, being New Year's Six maybe isn't as developmental, but there's still going to be some developmental stuff going on. you still got 15 practices-ish uh, to prepare for that. So they can kind of see where they're at as far as the pecking order before making that decision. I have heard rumors. And I'm not going to say specifics because I think they're still only rumors and I have no confirmation of this yet, even though I've asked around to a couple of different people um, that there are going to be some people that enter the transfer portal. And I will just say surprises and potentially important players for 2023 that have entered the port or, or plan to enter the portal. Now, that could change. Those guys could potentially have a really good bowl game. But I have heard rumors, again, sort of speculating here, and, and I don't want to come off like I know, that's why I'm not going to say the names, um, but there, there are rumors of some more important players potentially entering the transfer portal after, after the Rose Bowl. So we'll keep an eye on that. If I get more sources confirming those things, if I get some people I trust to confirm things, then maybe we can go from there. But from, what, from now, I'm, I don't want to go down that road. But yes, I think more people will be joining the transfer portal um, maybe before the Rose Bowl, and I think definitely after the Rose Bowl. And your final part of this question, how many guys would you like to see come in from the portal and at what positions? Yeah, we're going to talk more about this afterwards as well. The simple answer is you take as many good players as you can. I, I think you got to – you want to stockpile talent. I think this was a kind of a question last week, right? I take best available. Like, yeah, you want to get certain positions, but you also want to get – really good players. Like there's some interior offensive linemen that I really liked. And people on Twitter were like, why would we take an interior offensive lineman? And it's like, well, it's not an if, or it's not a, uh, it's not a, uh, I guess what's the best way to say it. Um, I guess we can have, why not both, right? Why not both take it? You, you can take an interior offensive lineman and still take the positions you think are important. Um, so you go get the best players you think are going to help in the long run. As far as what positions, I think it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, you want to get wide receivers. You want to get defensive linemen, specifically interior defensive linemen. I think you would be silly if you're not looking for some offensive linemen. We don't know what the Kevon Lee-Devin Ford situation is. Neither of those guys are in the transfer portal yet. But with London Montgomery's injury, and you don't really know there, I, I think the 2023 class is going to pick up another running back. But you want to maybe consider getting another running back. I think you'd be kind of silly if you don't look at quarterback. If you can get a quarterback with experience to come in and be a backup for Drew Aller next year, in case something, God forbid, happens to Drew Aller, you don't have to turn just to Bo Perbula or a Jackson Smolik. So I think if, if you can find somebody that fits that role that's okay with it, might not be easy, I think you try to do that as well. So, um yeah, that was a little bit of a tease. I'm sorry, Jacob. Um, but I think that those are the positions you got to be paying attention to, Mason. 
that being said, I've seen, you know, there's a kicker from Columbia that they've been following and maybe there's something there. I wouldn't be surprised if they get a, a kicker come in. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. And I don't think it's a very uh, concrete plan. I don't. I think it's hard to be concrete in a world of transfer portals. I, th- I think you have to have a pretty open mind to it. So we'll we'll kind of see as it goes, and we'll talk more about this after we speak with Adam Bittner, because um, I think it's important to compare it or re- at least relate it to the 2023 recruiting class. That is early signing day is just about two weeks away. Two weeks to two weeks away from starting today. Actually, uh, we got about seven minutes. Let's roll into the last question here. And this one's from Lucas Powers. <clears throat> Again, another longtime listener, if you will. And he says, what do you think the quarterback split will be for the Rose Bowl? 50-50 would be a blast and I think would make everybody happy. Yeah, I love Lucas for a lot of different reasons. He's very active on Twitter. He messages us things. Which, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> My goodness. Einstein von Braun, Mr. Mister, Lucas Powers, Mike Vales, uh, Aaron, and a couple others, Cowboy Ribeye, I think, to a certain degree, um, th- th- they do a great job of just tweeting us or mentioning us, like letting us know basically that uh, that like what things are going on. So we appreciate those things. But I do like Lucas because Lucas provides a optimistic presence in our Twitter feed all the time. So we appreciate that, Lucas. Um, Your question specifically about a quarterback split of 50-50, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's any way that happens. I've been on record in saying it over and over. I wanted this past game against Michigan State to be Sean Clifford's last game. Um, That's that's, that's not going to be the case. Sean Clifford's going to start – Sean Clifford is going to play the whole game unless for some reason they're blowing out Utah. I just, or he, you know, he gets hurt. There's, I, there's going to be no plan unless I'm just absolutely wrong that they're going to try to bring in Drew Aller to start the second half and play half of the game. It's just, it's just not going to happen. They haven't shown anything like that so far. It'd be kind of silly at this point to do it then. We're hoping maybe the Michigan State game was the, was maybe the, the curtain call for Sean Clifford. <clears throat> Doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So, we, we love you, Lucas. <clears throat> I think this question is pretty optimistic. I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that 50-50 split's going to happen, whether the fans would appreciate it or not. Uh, I Again, I'm on record. I, I want to draw Aller to start since that second loss, which Adam Bittner is in the studio, relatively speaking. Um, and we'll be talking about that a lot in a second. But uh, I was, you know, I was ready for Drew Aller after that second loss happened. And, and we can talk about that more. But especially for the bowl game, I was ready for Drew Aller. And I and I believe Sean was in the same department. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I think it's going to be the Sean Clifford show. And, and we'll have to go from there. Again, we appreciate all of your fan questions. Hardcore PSUFB on Twitter is the place to be to, to ask us questions. You can also ask us f- questions on Facebook and just message us. We'll get them in there as well. But Twitter is kind of where we like to hang out. So thank you for those questions, everybody. We appreciate it. And now, <clears throat> if, you, if you saw me disappear, you probably thought something bad was happening. Um, but I promise you, nothing bad was happening. We, did, we do have Adam Bittner joining us now. Adam, can you hear us? I can't hear you. Can you guys hear me? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, we we did lose Sean today. He had some things pop up. Um, so so no Sean tonight. Let me see if I can get the cameras going here before we we get started. Oh yeah, I see your camera's perfect already. Excellent. And we will get this rolling. There we go. Transition that over. And we are set. Yeah, looking nice. A little comb over going on there. Last time we didn't have the video hooked up, so we didn't get to see you. But now everyone gets to see you. And you're on the big screen. Yeah, I took my uh, evening shower, so I'm feeling refreshed and ready to talk some football. Are you a, you're an evening shower guy instead of morning shower guy? Uh, I take my shower before I go somewhere. So, it, you know, it's whenever I'm going. So if it's the morning, if it's the evening, that's when I take my shower. But tonight I, I didn't go anywhere, so I was just doing it for fun. Gotcha. You did it just for us. We get it. I understand <laughs> that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think I, I end up usually just take, if I'm doing something and actually being productive member of society, I usually just end up taking two showers, what, it, what ends up happening. But um, hey, let's talk Penn State football. And I think a lot of people thought that the news would die down a little bit with the final game happening against Michigan state. But I, I honestly was like taking notes today for this episode. And I think this has been like, this might be one of the most jam packed shows that there's just been a, a, a frenzy of Penn state football news. Um, how are you feeling right now? The season just ended. What were your thoughts? We, we talked to you about halfway through the season. So I guess, what are your thoughts on how Penn state finished? What are your thoughts as Penn state goes towards the Rose bowl here? Yeah, I mean, I got to say I have mixed feelings about it because I think, you know, there were there was a lot of great stuff that happened this year. I, you know, I remember tweeting at the end of the Michigan State game a year ago that I thought the offense maybe had like three or four varsity players, like like good players. And the fact that we're sitting here a year later and we have a whole bunch of names to talk about, um, you know, to me, that's that's a success, right? Um, that, that you've done so much good development work in such a short period of time that you've gotten back to, you know, at least the level that you were at before 2020. Not that I ever felt the program really strayed from that in a meaningful way. Um, you know, but there was clearly some development that was lost in that, in that period of time. And that hurt those 2020 and 2021 teams. And we saw them kind of get back, um, into their groove. But of course, you know, I was always the one leading the Drew Aller charge and, you know, watching that, particularly that that USC Washington or Utah game on Friday night, it was impossible for me to shake the feeling that man, like the hell with the you know preseason expectations. Because I, you know, I just looked at this team pretty much from the Ohio game and said this team's pretty good, and and allowed myself to I think dream a little bit, and and I think that's where my disappointment with the quarterback situation and the way it played out. Um, came about because a risk or two, I think, and I, I felt from the start that a risk or two could make the difference. And, and in hindsight, you know, I think you'd have to look at it and say, yeah, like, you know, maybe, maybe a risk or two could have changed things. I know there's people who are happy with where they were, given what the expectations were. I was an eight and four, nine and three kind of guy from the start. And so I was wrong about that. Um, but, but I, I kind of knew from the start that I might be wrong and that, that you had a chance to get to 10 wins. And if you have a chance to get to 10 wins, you know, the margin of getting to 11 is pretty fine. And and I think that's pretty much the way things played out. So I'm just a little conflicted because you only get so many teams like this in a lifetime. You know, I'm 32. 
um, you know, this is one of the best Penn State teams I've ever had the the pleasure of watching. And, um, you know, I think that that's kind of my 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 origin point of this is you can't take these things for granted. I feel really good about where Penn State's going next year. But, you know, they could be an injury or two away from from being a nine and three and eight and four team and underachieving what we're all expecting. And so there was always a, a sense for me of like, seize what you've got when you've got it. There's been Penn State teams we've had really high expectations for that they just fell short. And so when you had a chance with these guys, you know, I would have liked to see them gamble a little bit more. I understand the argument. Otherwise, they ended up in the Rose Bowl. That's pretty awesome. Um, you know, people are going to have their parties. A lot of people are going to be out in Pasadena, and and that's great. And I think I think the nature of the bowl game kind of changes the way I feel about the season a little bit because it is the Rose Bowl, and you do have a chance to get a good win instead of closing out with, you know, even though I thought that Memphis team was pretty good three years ago, it was still Memphis and it wasn't going to get a lot of people fired up. And I think the same would have been true if they ended up in the cotton bowl against Tulane or if they'd ended up in the citrus bowl against like an eight and four sec team. Um, you know, I think LSU is there now, so that might've been fun to watch, but um, you know, the, the chances that it could have been old, like Ole Miss or something, you know, because you were assuming that LSU was going to win that game and be higher up in the backing order. Um the, the Texas A&M game I'm referring to. So, yeah, that's my long rambling way of saying I'm, I'm conflicted about, um, you know, the present, feeling really good about the future, but conflicted about the present. Yeah. Um, yeah they did play LSU in a Citrus Bowl. I would have expected it to rain and be one of the awful field conditions like it was. I guess that would have been, what, almost 12 years ago now, whatever the case may have been. Um, you said a lot there. Let's start. Let's break it down in pieces before we get to the, the heavy hitting items. I wanted to talk first about what you thought about the offensive weapons, right? You, you thought going into the year, you weren't sure. The tight ends were very unproven. The wide receiver core, besides Parker Washington, was very unproven. And I mean, you said roster spots in general, as far as, you know, being impressive. The offensive line, to a certain degree, was was unproven. So, just looking at the pieces around quarterback, how much better do they, I guess, grade out to you? And, and how much better do you feel about the guys that are probably going to return for next year? I mean, I'm really thrilled with, with you know, the work that was done at tight end. I think that was, that was probably the biggest disappointment of the 2020-2021 range was, you know, Penn State was starting to become tight end you, right, with, with Gesicki. Um, and those guys. And, and so you kind of had this, this higher expectation of those guys. And I think we finally got to see them realize that this year. So I think there's great work that was done there. Um, you know, the, the line, I think they did some good work, but I also think you saw the difference that five-star athletes can make, um, you know, and, and they can make plays, especially at the college level. I think it's a little bit different than the pros, but um, you know, at the college level, if you have, you don't have to give those guys massive holes, right? You can just give them smaller holes and 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 they can hit them hard and, and make plays. And I think that's what we saw. So, you know, I think they developed well there, but I guess I give that a B because I think a lot of that improvement is, is due to having some awesome weapons. Um, the receivers, I think, you know, there, there's, there's probably a little bit of disappointment considering, you know, where we've seen them in recent years. Um, you know, some, some true bona fide NFL talents. I don't know. That I, you know, I think Parker Washington will probably play on Sundays, but you know, is he going to be a Jahan Dotson type guy drafted at the top of the draft? I don't know. Um, you know, so all in all, but I think the big thing for me is like all of those guys were college football players, Big Ten players, and you know, there there weren't a whole lot of weak links. Whereas a year ago, 
I don't think that could have been said. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think Parker Washington, even if he decides to come back next year and has a fantastic year, I still don't think he gets to that Jahan Dotson level um, in, in, as far as draft grade goes. You know, you mentioned, and that's something I agree with, that, you know, you can't take, you know, these teams for granted, right? You can't take, you know, as much hype as the 2023 season might have and as much hype as the 2024 season may have down the road. I 100% agree. You know, you, you can't take, you know, that doesn't mean anything really when it's all said and done. And I go back to a funny story I once had after the 2016 Rose Bowl game. And and I didn't go out to Pasadena for it. And I remember talking to my mom about that and like how I wanted the whole family to go out. And obviously being a broke college student, couldn't pay for it myself. And my, my mom told me, she was like, well, why don't we just wait another year and we can just go to the, uh, the semifinal game? And I still think to a certain degree that was the kiss of death that ruined the 2017 season. Um, so if you need her address or her email address, we can we can give that out to people. Um, but that's like the, the exact reason, right? Like you don't know the 2016 season team wasn't probably as good as the 2017 team. But as far as, you know, the, the way the ball bounces and the cookie crumbles, um, you know, 2017 was disappointing. So we could come back. Absolutely next year and be disappointing and 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 i think that would be a shame if if what you think is true which i think is what we're here to talk about and that is you know starting drew aller from the get-go or at least maybe starting drew aller once you thought you knew what he had and that obviously varied but you thought you had seen enough good from drew aller pretty much after what the Ohio Auburn game and you were ready for him to start pretty much all of all of true big 10 play. I, yeah, I was ready during Ohio, um, you know, seeing it in person, seeing the throws he could make that Sean Clifford plainly can't. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of getting the sense that, that, you know, P- Penn state starting from behind the eight ball, right? Because look how good this, this Michigan team ended up being, um, you know, other than, <laughs> other than the, the Ohio state Michigan game, Ohio state was really good. And so you need to take risks sometimes to beat teams like that. And I think you guys were arguing the the conservative case, which is, you know, Sean Clifford's been in these moments, you know, he knows what to do for, before the snap. He, he, he can make those differences there. Broadcasters talked about it in every game. Um, you know, to me, it was, it was always more about arm talent and, and really feeling like anything less than, than, um, 10 and you know anything less than 11 and one was going to on some level be a disappointment in my eyes because I thought this team was pretty good um and, and so I, I would have liked to see them take some risks and and if they burned out well guess what they could have gone nine and three and ended up ended up in Pasadena because uh, the the big 10 is not great this year and and I think that's really the source of frustration for a lot of people is they didn't get that big win they didn't get like the Wisconsin win um from last year they didn't get that Auburn win at home. That that satisfying, yeah. I think the Auburn game this year at the time felt great, but if you look at back at it in hindsight, what did it really mean? Um, and I think that's a frustration for a lot of people. Is if you had a couple of good wins, maybe you could have you could have lived with the the way things turned out. But I, the, the Big Ten was just such a disappointment. And that's not to take away from what this team did. A lot of people try to do that and say that it's not very good because well, it didn't beat anyone. I disagree. I think it's pretty good, and it didn't get it didn't get a chance outside of those two games to beat anybody. Um, you know, but still, you have to frame it. If the whole season was about those two games, what could you have done differently? 
Um, and, and you guys, I, I know you guys like to say, well, could you have blocked JTT? And the answer is no, I couldn't have blocked him. I don't think anyone at Penn State could have blocked him. He had a great day. But when we spoke the last time, I think the, the thing that I kind of highlighted was you want to take yourself out of those situations by making those plays at a time where, um, you know, maybe that arm talent shows up earlier, makes some throws that Clifford didn't make, um, you know, instead of being up five, they're up 12, you know, and, and, and have a little bit more of a cushion for a mistake. And, and that's where I think the difference, uh, you know, Drew Aller could have made it would have been. Now that's not to say that I was ever certain how things would turn out. I, I think Sean Clifford definitely closed a lot better than I expected him to. And I'll give him props for that. Um, you know, I, I do the PFF grades for the post-gazette. I you know try to do them three times a year after each four game set. And he just kept creeping up, creeping up, creeping up um, compared to where he started the year. So you got to give him credit for that. But um, you know, th- that's, that's just my general opinion is that if you have a, a player with more talent in a situation where Penn state was, it's worth rolling the dice. Now I'll, I'll say this, if there was a 12 team playoff today, would I have been, fine with rolling with with Sean Clifford and saying, you know, 10 and 2 is good enough, that's going to get Penn State there. Sure, it would be a different conversation, but when there's only four teams in the playoff, I think there's something to be said for taking risks and and you know, they they still could have had a pretty nice reward at the end anyway. Yeah. I'll start by saying the you talked about the big not really having that big win and that was something that james franklin even mentioned i think in the press conference it might have been before the michigan state game it might have been after the Rutgers, whatever it was in between there somewhere um and yeah i think that's a, a kind of a big knock on this penn state season so far i think that's why even though the bowl games moving forward are probably gonna have even less significance this being potentially one of the last true normal rose bowls but also this being Penn State's really only third opportunity for a, a great win makes this game really important for James Franklin and his Penn State football program because it's one thing to say, and you and I agree, like, you know, good teams don't have to have good wins to be good teams. They can still be good teams, and and we think Penn State is. But you got another opportunity to kind of prove it, and, okay, it's one thing to not beat Ohio State and Michigan. They're going to potentially play each other in a national championship. But you got another opportunity against a Utah team who has shown some signs of being weak um, and losing to teams that maybe they weren't even supposed to. And you you kind of have to find a way to win this one to kind of prove that everything wasn't, I guess, everyone was wrong to a certain degree. So I, I agree with you. I, I, and I think this Rose Bowl is a, is a really important game to kind of prove that, right? I mean, you can say – it's not our fault Maryland was bad. It's not our fault Minnesota was bad. It's not our fault Auburn was bad. It's not our fault Michigan State was bad. But you got another chance against Utah to kind of prove that once and for all and to say, yes, we really were the, not just the third best team in the Big Ten, but we really were a top 10 team in the country. And we just all happened to be, you know, three of us happened to be in the same division. So I, I 100% agree with that. And I want to concede, going back to that Ohio State game, if I knew Sean Clifford was going to have four turnovers, now I don't necessarily put those four turnovers on him. Again, we can, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But if I knew at the end of the day, statistically, he was going to be accounted for four turnovers, I am 100% starting Drew Aller, too. I, I 100% agree with that. Like if I knew that was going to be, you know, in games like that, you know, you need Sean Clifford. We all kind of argued that Sean Clifford would provide the opposite of that. Now, 
to be fair, he provided some maybe a little bit more uncharacteristic sparks and some other crazier plays than he had shown. The, the Theo Johnson throw, for example, um, the one tossed to Catron Allen. I mean, he, he did some things to make up for it. But you weren't asking, you know, when you were starting Sean Clifford, you weren't asking Sean Clifford to be the reason you won. You were asking him to be the reason you didn't lose. And he did not do that. And although they were up 21-16 and the defense came out and laid an egg in that fourth quarter, um, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe enough pressure early on with Drew Aller throwing a couple more passes and Penn State having a lead. I mean, maybe Penn State runs away with it the way they looked against Michigan in the fourth quarter. I mean, that, that could have completely gone a different way, especially with the way Penn State was running the ball. Um, I still say if Penn State was able to get that final stop there before that 35-second drive and on a three-play touchdown drive by Ohio State, if Penn State is able to get a punt there, I don't know if Ohio State ever gets the ball back. I mean, Catron Allen was running for 4.5-ish yards per clip. I mean, they were running the rock, and for once, they actually might have had the offense to to run a four-minute drill and put that one in the book, and that just never happened. So I agree. I think, in hindsight, I wasn't ready for Sean Clifford to have those turnovers, and I don't really know if anyone was ready for him to have four turnovers. But I would say, yeah, I mean, if he was going to have four turnovers, then, yeah, give me Drew Aller because at least – he might have four turnovers too, but maybe he, you know, maybe he does something else significant at some point in that game. Yeah, I mean, don't you want to at some point, you know, in your life? How many times? How many Penn State Ohio State games have we watched? How many Penn State Michigan games have we watched? Don't you want to see Penn State break a good team's back and and, and win and not just hold on? But you know, I, I think of the 2005 Ohio State game. They were they held on that night, and it you know it was a great game. But they were holding on that night. 2008, they had to hold on. Um, 2016, they needed the, the blocked field goal. You'd, you'd like them to be in these positions where they've gotten to, to James Franklin's credit, where they have leads on this team. And, and you want to do what Michigan was able to do to Penn State because that game was not a blowout the entire way. You know, and, and there were times that I thought Penn State could get the job done that day. Um, you know, and and after that that first half went the way it went, I thought – all right, they're still in the game. You still have a chance to make a few plays and win the game. Um, they had they had Ohio State on the ropes, and and that's that's kind of the point. You know, I don't fault Sean Clifford dramatically for the four turnovers either. Um, you know, I, I try not to like throw that around too flippantly, although it is a fact. Um, but to me, it's you know, I look at things very data. I'm kind of data driven. That's kind of my role at the Post Gazette because everyone else is in the eye test. Uh, you know analysis wing i'm i'm the one person who kind of just likes to look at the numbers and you're right if you if you have a different quarterback the game's going to play out differently it's not going to you're not putting drew aller in a specific situation that penn state was in it's about the game playing out differently and having uh, you know more of a margin of error and putting yourself in a position where he can make throws that can break a team's back um and that's that's what it was always for i will say this about the rose bowl um just to i, I think you were answering lucas's question before you know, you got to win the Rose Bowl, and if if that if that's the reward for the conservatism that Penn State's played this season with, um, then you need to go out and get the big win. And and if that's with Sean Clifford, so be it. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot of experience to be gained on Drew Aller's part by playing you know one one half of one game at the end of the the season. Um, so you know, I have no problem with them going with Clifford at this point. 
because now you need to get that one win to validate things. Um, and, True. Uh, and so, and, and I think Sean Clifford has played better. Um, you have a whole season with him behind those guys at this point, not like six games as we've been talking about early in the season. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I guess that's a bit of a plot twist, but go win the Rose Bowl. That's, that's true. I think the Rose Bowl, Bowl is a little bit different than if it's the Cotton Bowl versus Tulane or, or, or someone else to that extent. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I was thinking about this earlier and how when they decided after that second loss, right, it was November and people were like, okay, you know, what's the game plan? And they decided to go with Sean Clifford. And and to be fair, they blew out everybody for the most part. Um, I think it would have been disappointing if they would have won those games in November and then still ended up in the Citrus Bowl or something else. I think that would have been even a bigger missed opportunity for Penn State, right? Like, in all, you know, when it's all said and done, if they ended up winning the Rose Bowl this year, obviously they exceeded everyone's expectations already for the most part. But if they go ahead and win the Rose Bowl, at least you can say, yeah, you know, maybe Drew Aller could have got more playing time and maybe he could have even turned the tides in the Ohio State game. But we got a Rose Bowl and and that's good. But if they aren't able to even get to the Rose Bowl, I think we're thinking a lot differently about how those final four games have kind of played out with, with Drew Aller. He got some time against Indiana, got a lot of time against Indiana. Um, got some time against Maryland, although a lot of people thought that was poorly mismanaged. And then obviously, you know, Michigan State, it, it didn't happen at all. Um, I, I think people could look at that and be be pretty upset if, if they don't get to the Rose Bowl. And maybe they'll still be if they don't end up winning the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think getting to the Rose Bowl changed changed a lot of things, you know, even if it is symbolic, um, you, you know, <laughs> Because it really would have been a huge disappointment to end up in a lesser bowl than than that with this team, and and that gets back again to the taking chances. Um, you don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be at the mercy of the way the national picture plays out. You don't want to be at the mercy of because the tie-ins this year are are difficult for Penn State, right? Because you have both the Peach and the Fiesta, which have four at-large spots. We wouldn't have been having this conversation if it wasn't this one out of every three years where most of the games that are available outside the playoff are already tied in. Um, so they wouldn't have been vulnerable. They would have easily been going to the Fiesta Bowl, easily going to the Peach Bowl, um, possibly easily drawing a great opponent. But because of the way the national landscape, you know, set up this year, they were in a bad position. And credit to them for for breaking through. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's good that they got there, but they were really close to not, right? You know, there was only a couple a couple games go the other way, and, and you're right. We're talking about a Citrus Bowl against an LSU team that I, you know I don't know how to feel about them. They have some great wins, but they got their doors blown all the way off four like three times, and they lost on a missed extra point. So, like, how much are you really taking out of that win other than the fact that it's an SEC team? Uh, you know, I, I can I tell you right now, I, I can tell you LSU is not very good. I'm I'm confident in that at this point that LSU is not not that good. They they showed up and had their moment. In overtime against Alabama, but that took a night game in Death Valley. And and to be honest with you, against an Alabama team, that's not to Nick Saban standards. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, things played out. And, you know, I was amazed by some of those guys talking on the Michigan State, the broadcasters. They're like, yeah, they're going to a New Year's Six game. At that point, when the Penn State game ended that night, they were not. They were not in position to go to a New Year's Six game. And 
the one thing I didn't think we really realized was Ohio State was probably going to opt out of the Rose Bowl and Penn State would have ended up there. But as far as the way things should have gone, at that moment, at the end of the Penn State game, they were not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. And that was, you know, once you – that, that's how close they came. Their season's over and they were not in position and they needed things to happen. Um, and, and so that's that, that's also the risk of playing it safe sometimes, right, is that even if you're a good team, you might not get a reward that, that justifies the season. So – um, I don't want to look too far back at this point because they got where they needed to go. And, um, you know, so you can't cry over not spilled milk, right? Yeah. And, you know, you could be Tennessee, right? I mean, this is a really good year for Tennessee, all things considered. And they end up losing their quarterback and they end up, you know, in a, in a, probably not where they, you know, where they really wanted to be when it's all said and done. You, you know, you beat Alabama and, and you take, you know, you only have a loss to Georgia, you know, you're not expecting to lose to South Carolina. And, and they had everything still in front of them to the very end. And so it's probably disappointing for them, too, even though that's a lot better than they've ever been for a long time. I do want to ask you, though, because I know I know Sean will wanted this question asked, and I'm trying to make sure I kind of say it the right way. We got to see more Drew Aller, right? Not a bunch more, but we got, especially in the Indiana game, a, a little bit in the Maryland game. A little bit in the Rutgers game. From what you saw, because in my opinion, I'm not raising the red flag. Um, and I'm not even skeptical at this point. But there have been throws that maybe we didn't see the last time we had you on that we saw since then. And there was a little bit more inconsistency. I will say I've been a positive of his ability to run. I think he's impressed me more with his mobility than I thought he had. So that's that's a huge plus that I didn't think he had. But there's been some inconsistencies with his accuracy, um, not to the point where I'm, you know, I think it's a trend. But A, are you concerned about that moving forward? And B, do you think Penn State's able to win that first game against Purdue if Drew Aller has to start from the beginning? Well, I think I think those were some of the only snaps that we saw of him in all season that really mattered. And so I think that's what makes it a little hard to judge is that he was coming in late in blowouts and, and he was making some laser rocket throws. And yeah, he's making some mistakes, but you also know they're probably not going to burn it. Right. Uh, so I think that changes the tenor of the performances. Um, he did slip a little bit analytically. I, I think Sean Clifford ended up finishing with a with a better grade. And that was the jumping off point I think I pissed everyone off with was I wrote early in the season that the analytics on, on Drew Aller in a very small sample size were arguably already better than what Sean Clifford was doing. And to Clifford's credit and to, I think, the team's credit, you know, they find, kind of found their rhythm, um, you know, by the end. And, and that's why Sean was able to kind of leap up over. Um, so, yeah, I think it's hard to evaluate um, – Drew Aller in in that sense because it, it's easy to just kind of play differently when you're in easy situation. I'm thinking of the end of the game against Indiana. I mean, everyone knew that they, that game was over when Aller was in there, um, and, and so maybe he's not being as fine as he might have been if you know that drive against Purdue. Um, so I, it's hard to say. Um, I, I but I will say that yes, the analytics did slip, um, and, and Sean Clifford's improved. So you know, credit to him and. Um, you know, I, I don't, but looking forward with a full off season, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of concern about Drew Aller. I think, you know, look at the guys that, 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 you know, Penn State's had historically um, come in and play as young players. I think he's in a lot better position. Um, and I think that was the goal, right? You wanted him to sit behind Sean Clifford. You wanted to have that mentorship. 
yeah, I can't really think of a moment where Penn State super had that, um, you know, in, in the recent past. Um, I, I guess Trace McSorley and, and Cliff were there together. It's just it's hard to remember that because it's so, it's like, you know, I, I, I tweeted out at one point, I'm 32 and Sean Clifford's been on Penn State's roster for one out of every five days I've been alive, you know. So um, how much influence did Trace McSorley ultimately have on, um, you know, Sean Clifford? It's, it's a good question to ask. And, and I think, you know, that's one of the bonuses of what you ended up doing. And now that this is all over and the debates are kind of settled and the season was what it was, I think it definitely helped him to be behind Clifford. And, and so, no, I don't have a ton of concern. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like this team blew out teams more than Trace McSorley led teams, whether that was Sean Clifford's benefit, you know, reason or not, or, or, or I guess the reason that happened or not, doesn't really matter. But Drew Aller got more, and also, I think they were they were pushing for it more. But Drew Aller got more playing time than Sean Clifford did when Trace McSorley was quarterback. I mean, the Daniel George throw was you know at the beginning of the season against what Akron, and like after that, we didn't really see much Sean Clifford. So, I mean, even Trace McSorley only came in when Hackenberg was there, when Hackenberg was hurt or like struggling. And so we we and then obviously the 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 bowl game when when things changed in the against Georgia, but. This was a this was an obvious effort, right? This is an obvious effort to get him in, but they also blew out teams. I think they had ended up with six 28 point wins this season, which I think we did the numbers on a previous episode, but that was like way more than than you know even a 2017 or 2018 teams. Um, and so he got more chances. I guess my thing is, you know, he he played more than a lot of other true freshman quarterbacks typically play, even blue chip quarterbacks usually get to play. I guess my 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 question for you is knowing everything you know right now, which to be fair probably isn't that much. Are are, are we putting the expectations high for Drew Aller right off the bat? I mean, if you were thinking, you know, there's a risk reward this year with Drew Aller, are you going into next year saying, you know, floor 9 and 3, ceiling 11 and 1 is or are you thinking floor Eight and four, ceiling eleven and one. Like, how much of that risk has been removed in your mind? I guess is the best way to you know ask that. I mean, I think it partly depends upon the off season he has, right? You know, I think that was uh, the, the thing that surprised everyone was how quickly he looked like that against Ohio. Um, I think people were surprised when he was announced as the number two because th- there wasn't a ton of expectation that they were going to you know plant that flag in the ground and say he's going to be the guy um, and he's going to get time when when you know games aren't close and. And so if he can take a similar leap and and they always say, you know, one of the biggest leaps you take is year one to year two. So if he can have a similar off season to what he had this season and, and come in and surprise people, yeah, I don't think, you know, a floor of 10 and two is unreasonable to, I mean, that's why you go out and get guys like this and Penn state's we're just not used to it. Right. We're not used to have heaping expectations on blue chip talents like this because you know, they've other than what Morelli and, and Hackenberg, Hackenberg in a terrible situation. Um, who who is the who is the closest comparison point for Drew Aller? They're, they're really, I think it's really just Morelli. Um, and you know, I think that's probably that's that's the only concern you'd have is okay, Morelli sat for a long time, um, and and, and he came in and he disappointed, um, but but. You know, geez, it's I guess I'm it's getting too far from Anthony Morelli for me to like really remember how how I felt about the throws he was able to make 
compared to Michael Robinson, who was, you know, a, a phenomenal guy in 2005. So there's no real direct comparison. And and, and so, you know, I, I'm not – just the way college football is today, you know, I, I think Penn, Penn State fans should be allowed to dream um, and, and just be, per, you know, cautiously optimistic um, that that – that this is this is what you've been waiting for, and if it's not, then you know, then back to the drawing board, I guess. But you've lived your whole life without it anyway, right? Most of your life without this kind of possible player quarterback. Um, I just keep coming back to the the big time throws that Pro Football Focus measured as, as kind of that indication that he's different. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that there aren't things that you can't coach and that you're going to have to change. And that you know, he's going to have to learn those pre-snap reads and, and things and get better at that. And I think that's what this offseason is going to be about, right, is now you're in the at the college level. Physically, you're probably where you need to be. Um, but are you there mentally? Can you be like Sean Clifford was mentally? If you can, that's a dangerous combination. Yeah, I, I honestly only remember the bad throws that Morelli made. So it's, it's hard for me to remember a good throw he ever made at this point. It, it just seared into my brain my granddad screaming at the television after like the third pick six in the Ohio state game that one year or whatever it was. I think Malcolm Jenkins, I still think he fumbled the football before he got in the end zone on that one touchdown, but um, that didn't really make it much of a difference. I think, I think it's, it's a good point, right? Like the, like this is uncharted territory and I, I don't really know if there is back to the drawing board, right? I, I think to a certain degree, and I'm going to talk about this, you know, after you hop off, as far as the transfer portal goes, people are kind of like talking about what Penn State sort of needs or nonchalantly. In my opinion, some of these guys that I'm about to talk about on uh, receiver wise, I'm like, Penn State has to get a couple of these guys because I haven't seen enough from what they currently have in a wide receiver department to feel good. And I'm like, you have a chance to stockpile talent for your five-star quarterback, you know, if, if there's ever a, a time to empty the pockets and to put as much talent as you can around a guy, this is the moment. You got a couple guys that I'm about to talk about that have two years of eligibility left. You know, you can surround this guy with as much talent as possible. And, and if you aren't successful, right, like whether it's Drew Aller's fault, whether it's the offensive line's fault, whatever the case may be, I mean, I guess everyone, I mean, that's why I'm super nervous, right? What happens if this doesn't pan out? And I know this is probably a conversation we can have in a couple months, but it's a it's one thing in 2022 to have Drew Aller come in, make some you know mistakes, and laugh it off. It's another thing to come into next year, most likely you know expected to be a top 10 team to start the year, um, having potential you know oh, having for sure the Big Ten champion at home in Michigan. And it's funny how that has slowly transitioned to Michigan instead of Ohio State and not taking advantage of this opportunity, Adam. I mean, this has turned into cautiously optimistic to we got to make something happen. If not now, then when sort of thing, it, it, maybe not 2023, but 2024. But we got to see this moving in the right direction or else uh, we all get super nervous and start having meat sweats in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that this can play out at this point in terms of adding personnel. I think, you know, the the best case scenario is you do get a blue chip guy that's going to come in here and go for 1,500 yards and, and you know, be a Jahan Dotson type and kind of adding that component back to this offense. Um, I, I wouldn't say that that's like kind of make or break 
because, you know, you were close against Ohio State, and that would have been enough, um, you know, to be in the playoff at this point if you win that game. And for me, the biggest frustration with Penn State's passing game, other than, you know, not quite having the, you know, as, as much as people love both Sean Clifford and Trace McSorley for different reasons, as much of a gamer as Trace McSorley was, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people that would have loved to have a Drew Allard talent on those teams, right? That's just, I think that's fair to say. Um, and, and so, the, but yeah, I, below that, I've always been frustrated by Penn State not having kind of a three receiver trio. Never having the, those three, it's really been since Derek Williams, Deion Butler, and Jordan Norwood that they've had three guys out there, um, you know, that, that could really stretch out a defense. And so I, to me, yes, it, that's the A-plus scenario. Get get an impact receiver, put him with Parker Washington, um, and, and, you know, hope you can develop. But, like, you need to have three solid guys, I think. And, and, and granted, the tight ends are going to take up a lot more targets, and maybe it's, unre- it's an unreasonable expectation for me to have to say, yeah, distribute the ball to all three of these tight ends and distribute it to the top three receivers, and they're all putting up big stats. Maybe some of that is unrealistic. Um, what I think I want to see is a third receiver that can make plays when you really need them. I think we saw flashes from Conjury Lambert-Smith this year. Um, but it's the, kind of the same as, as um, Saeed Blacknall, right? I think we all wish things had gone yeah, a little bit better with him as a third receiver. Um, you know, and, and he made you know huge plays yes. in that Big Ten championship game, but – you know, when it mattered, wouldn't you have loved to see him show up? And, and I think that's that's kind of my baseline expectation. If you can roll in with three guys you feel really good about, um, you know, I think that changes the complexion of this offense. And, and so you don't necessarily need to have a Jahan Dotson type, a, a big impact. You know, Chris Godwin, because I keep saying Jahan Dotson's name over and over. You know, KJ Hamler. Um, you want to just be able to distribute. Because I think that was a big flaw with the 2019 team, right, is that Pat Fryermuth and – KJ Hamler were really good, but they were the only guys that were getting passes. Um, and, and so that's that's kind of where I'm at is, yes, there's the A-plus scenario, but I also think they can be national championship. You know, I'll just – I'll temper expectations. They can be playoff caliber with three solid guys that can make a play whenever you need them to, and I think that will really help Drew Aller out. Yeah, I, I was going to go to Saeed Blacknell right away because Saeed Blacknell, Big Ten championship, you know, showed up. I think he like had a touchdown in like every whiteout he was in. I, I that's probably not exactly accurate, but he always showed up in the whiteout games. Um, yeah, you don't. I mean, 2016. You know, you know, you had Hamill, you had Hamilton, you had you had Godwin, you had a couple of guys making some plays. Um, not necessarily the case to a certain extent. We, we, we'd seen. Um, splashes, right? I mean, you said Ohio State; they were close even without that, but that took Parker Washington having 180 yards and that's not something he usually is going to be able to do for you. So even then you're like, well, maybe, maybe we still needed that and just not ask Parker Washington to have whatever amount of catches he ended up having. But no, I think that's a good point. I think Penn State was hoping to have that this year with Mitch Tinsley, with Keandre Lambert Smith and with Parker Washington. And I don't, and I thought I thought for a second, you know, that Purdue game, Keandre Lambert Smith looked for real, even though he had a drop earlier in that game. He looked like coming out of that game, you're like, okay, like Keandre Lambert Smith is here. He's breaking tackles. He's showing speed. Like we're ready, baby. P- Mitch Tinsley, I think, had three catches on that final touchdown drive against Purdue. And you're like, all right, 
here we go. And and Parker Washington didn't, didn't really show up until the Minnesota game. But after that point, you're you know you're feeling pretty good. But it, it never really came into fruition. And now you start kind of asking questions like, is is Keandre Lambert Smith going to be that next year? Is Harrison Wallace going to be that next year? Is Amari Evans going to step up and be that? Is Parker Washington even going to be here? That's to me the thing that scares me most. Like you got this quarterback. You know, I don't care if you try to get all of these guys on the transfer portal and just bring them in for tryouts. Like you better find, you said three. Like I, I would be happy if you can find two and and still have a really good tight end. But you got to find something because otherwise it's going to be a big waste. Um, I, I want to let you get out of here. Um, I've enjoyed the company with Sean not being here. Before you, I want to give you a second to drop some plugs. But before you do. Uh, quick thoughts on the Utah game. I don't. You probably don't have a prediction yet, but what what is your vibe going into this well coached Utah team again in the Rose Bowl? Um, I kind of have to, like they they are very good. I've enjoyed watching them. Um, I get the hype for them, but you know they lost some games too. Like you know we saw them win the big games, and and I think I think that may have gotten them on on tilt a little too much. Um, you know I think they're a beatable team. I, I think with Penn State's athleticism, they can win that game. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite ready to make a prediction yet, but I, you know, I think there's been a gen, there's been a little bit of fear based on how Utah closed with beating USC. That I, you know, I think does sells Penn State a little bit short. Um, Penn State dominated teams, and and you know, that Utah defense gave up points in almost every game I watched. Um, you know, I think of that UCLA game; they were going back and forth and just trading haymakers. And um, you know, I don't really doubt Penn State's ability to score some points in this game. Um, you know, the, the question is, can you prevent Cam Rising from just gritting you to death, right? Um, and 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 just the way he keeps coming all the time is is something that I envy. Um, the you know he, he's never really out of a game. Um, you know, that, it's it's fun to watch, but yeah, I, I think people are selling Penn State a little bit short. I think they're going to be kind of in an underdog role, um, just from a national perspective that I think they're going to relish and. Um, you know, I'd be surprised if they didn't play a good game out there. That doesn't mean I'm guaranteeing a win, but I think I feel a little bit better about their chances in this game than, than a lot of pundits do. Yeah, the the line was I think started out as a straight up pick 'em at, at first, and I think it's I think it's moved to Penn State or maybe even to Utah to one and a half. It's been kind of going back and forth, um, but I think that's a good point. I mean, again, this is a Utah team that surrendered 42 to UCLA. It's a team that. Lost to Oregon when they probably shouldn't have. It's a team that lost to Florida, which looking back now is a pretty awful loss. I think there's a lot of parallels that we can can make between Cam Rising and, and Sean Clifford to a certain extent, too. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be something. But, uh, Adam, appreciate your time as always coming on here. Uh, I'm glad you're able to come back for uh, a second time. And and please plug away. What, what you got going on here? I, I, obviously, the Steelers season is – is in the thick of things uh, as we uh, think of what they get. They play Baltimore down the stretch here too, right? Yeah, the Steelers have an interesting setup. There's a, I mean, they probably won't be facing Lamar Jackson this week, and otherwise they play a bunch of bad teams. So, you know, I don't know if if winning out gonna, is is going to be enough in this AFC to get in into the playoffs. But you know, it's hard to not feel like a lot better than you felt about this team about a month ago. So, um, we're hoping for some interesting talk over on the Post Gazette YouTube channel. Um, myself and Chris Carter host most of our content over there, but uh, Noah Hiles, who covers Pitt, um, and Andrew Destin, who covers Penn State, do the college football show um, every Thursday. So that'll be out tomorrow because we're recording 
right now on Wednesday. So um, be sure to check out those guys. They do a great job every week talking about both local teams that we um, you know, cover in earnest. Uh, signing day is going to be coming up. We talk about it all on the YouTube channel. It's a new venture at the Post-Gazette. Um, we're trying to trying to branch out into a new world here. We're, we're a hidebound old newspaper trying to learn some new tricks. So um, check us out. Hit the subscribe button um, so you don't miss anything if you're a Pittsburgh fan. If you're from other regions of Penn State, the Penn State universe, I'm sure you're not going to be quite as interested. But if you are a Pittsburgher, Western Pennsylvania resident, or uh, you know someone who's in the, the Pittsburgh diaspora living you know somewhere in the south or somewhere out west, Check us out because we have content coming to you six days a week. We only take Saturdays off. You, uh, I, I have the uh, Steelers defense in my fantasy lineup right now for for Sunday. Is that a good idea? You think with with Huntley starting over there, or should I make a swap? I, I think they can generate some to- turnovers against him. I, th- That's you know, what I was I think thinking. Getting pressure and 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 they're really they've been much better against the run, which has allowed Minka Fitzpatrick to kind of play that center field role and and make plays that he wasn't able to make last year because he was coming up and run support. So, um, yeah, I think there's a chance they could score some points, get a few sacks on this guy, and maybe generate a few turnovers give you a nice fantasy day. Okay, yeah. You'll have some hate tweets coming your way otherwise. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, Yeah, I mean, the little ESPN blob thing said that the Steelers had done really well against running quarterbacks too. So I don't know what that's really worth, but um, hopefully that is true. Um, I was going to say one more thing about – Something Pittsburgh related. Oh, I gotta ask you this because I think it's hilarious. Perduzzi, any chance? Hey, you never know. I mean, I think they feel pretty good going into next year with uh, Phil Dracovic, um, you know, coming from Boston College. Um, Frank Signetti worked with him up there, so I think that that's a that's a reunion. Um, I think they're hoping it's going to be a little bit better than the the Keaton Slovis experiment was this year. I think the problem is. They're losing some pretty good players. Israel Abanikand is probably going to the draft. Kajai Kansi is one of the, um, you know, the best pass rushers in the country. Uh, Savasie Dennis is really good. Um, they're probably going to be losing all of those guys. So that's that's going to be tough for them. But I think they feel optimistic about, um, you know, kind of pairing up a, a good quarterback or a guy that you, you think could be a good quarterback with his coordinator, um, you know, late in his career. Yeah, I didn't want all that pit talk. I just wanted to just say, yes, Narduzzi is going to Purdue. Um, he, is, he is. It's a done deal. Thank you. That's all. I, I, honestly, I just think it, I just, it comes together so well, Purdue. I mean, it, it really is a, a match made in heaven. But, um, Adam, look, we got a long off season ahead of us. I'm sure we'll get you back on at some point here in the spring. But uh, we really appreciate you hopping on for about an hour or so. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. All right. Adam Bittner can find him on Twitter. Um, I'm sure at some point we will be. Uh, what What is the Twitter handle, real quick, Adam? Uh, Fujimaster24. Fujimaster24. Yeah. Yes. You can find me there, or you can just search Adam Bittner. Um, I do not have Twitter blue verification. I got the legit one. So <laughs> he's not paying for it. That means he's legit. Um, we will also include his Twitter handle when we tweet the episode out on Hardcore PSUFB. And I'm sure we will quote tweet him dunking on him because he gives us so many alley-oops it's not even funny thank you adam so much man thanks thanks Corey. really appreciate it <laughs> yeah you have a good night peace all righty well we are back um again thank you so much to adam bender coming on it's uh look we i'm gonna be honest like and it, it's me it's not sean i shouldn't say we um it is a hundred percent me 
whenever Adam says something on Twitter I disagree with, I, I kind of try to dunk on him a little bit. But like I said, he said something really nice about us, said he respected us, um, you know, what, what we're doing here, you know, and, and we can take it, we can give it and receive it, all that good stuff. So we respect him. And it's important, not just in the college football world, but in, in life to, to take in different perspectives and to grow a little bit. And so Adam definitely does that, makes us kind of use the other side of our brain to a certain degree. So um, thank you to him. Again, Post Gazette on YouTube, they're they're moving in over there. So definitely subscribe. You're already on YouTube if you're watching live. So check them out. And um, yeah, Fuji Master 24 on Twitter is 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 Adam's Adam Bittner's Twitter account. Uh, okay, so I see John Robinson said something about better get another quarterback in the portal. Yeah, so let's let me adjust my seat a little bit here. Let me pull up the show schedule one more time. Make sure I'm on the right page here. I know you guys can't see it, but yeah. So we just got transfer portal update and we got some recruiting news and we're going to get on out of here. I think what I want to do, I think I'm going to switch screens here because I do have some graphics prepared. Let's go transfer portal. Are you guys ready? Let me put, put in the chat on YouTube if you're ready for some transfer portal talk. Let's 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 go transfer portal here. Um, as I switch screens, I don't know. I'm curious. I think it should be okay if we switch to the big screen. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm a little bit in the way. Not too much, though. Actually, not too bad. Um, let, let's go into the transfer portal. Now, I guess I want to start this off by saying that the transfer portal has just been just been nuts. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. I mean, I have been drained the last couple of days and trying to understand and, and trying to get where people might be going. It's just been crazy. And so I've got some research down here. I mean, I got, I got pages of research here and, and we're going to talk transfer portal. Just know that it is a fluid situation. So things I'm saying to you right now could change when, you know, an hour. Probably not, but catch my drift a little bit there. But we're going to go through this, and I'm going to try to be as you know as much transparent as I can about what I've got written down. We're going to go through it. I think it's important before we start, though, I want to, and before fatigue sets in, I want to mention real quick kind of my vibes on the transfer portal. And I think it's important to talk about it because. I think people are freaking out a little bit. So right now the transfer portal is happening. I think there's already over a thousand players in the transfer portal uh, since Monday. And there's been a lot of reactions, right? Like this is just the NFL free agency. What is going on? Why are we doing this? And I understand the frustration, the concern that, you know, the college football is changing and it is changing. However, I think there's a little bit of an overreaction. There's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to all of this that's happening. And I have a couple of reasons why. The majority of the players entering the transfer portal right now fall into pretty much two bins. Now, there's a minority that fall into other bins, but we're going to focus on the two larger bins at hand. Number one, a lot of these guys 
our former 2019, 2020, and 2021 commits that were evaluated during COVID. And not only were they evaluated, but they were evaluating colleges during COVID. So if you think an 18-year-old's mind is already pretty fluid and impactful and impressionable, imagine when you can't even get on campus because of COVID and you're supposed to make a college decision and you don't even know what you're asking to do. Now flip that around the other way. College coaches are trying to make evaluations without having these guys on campus, et cetera, without meeting their families, et cetera, without seeing them in person. Anyone will tell you being on the sideline watching a game in real speed is a lot different than watching it from an all 22. Those things make a difference. Coaches, recruiters, scout guys, there were mistakes made. Players went to schools they probably shouldn't have gone to. And that right there, we're seeing a correction in the transfer portal this year, especially. So that is one bin. Those kind of people wasn't the right fit from the beginning they stuck it out and yeah okay it's time to go got some numbers now got some stats now things are looking better time to get out that's one bin the other bin is guys that still signed around that time period but have yet to have an opportunity to really hone in on the name image and likeness so they already signed they already put their letter of intent in before NIL took off. Well, now, hey, I got a year under my belt and I am improving. I am impressing and I'm looking really good. Well, no one's going to give me a, a huge bag of cash if I stick to the status quo and stay in there. No, 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 no. But if I just throw my name in the transfer portal for a couple days, now all of a sudden I'm going to get suitors from not just all around the country, but even from the school I'm already been at. And I can already make more money by investing in myself, even if I go back to the same school. Case in point, Drake May from North Carolina. Fantastic year for North Carolina. Made himself a lot of money this year. People thought he was a Heisman candidate. We we knock on UNC a lot because we mess with Ari a little bit as far as him, you know, UNC not being a college football playoff team. But North Carolina. And Drake May, they they got something brewing there. Now, they just lost their offensive coordinator. I'll talk about that in a second. But Drake May is a good quarterback. And he went into the transfer portal. He wasn't looking to leave. No, sir. He was just looking to cash in that check, baby. But that's a number in the transfer portal. And that's another bin. Guys are looking to cash in. Maybe it's not even that much more. Maybe it's not the Drake May level deal, right? But we've, we've heard things from uh, Keaton Slovis, perfect example. Guy who's been at USC, been at Georgia, been at West Virginia. Now he's looking to go somewhere else. Before he went to West Virginia, he went out to Corvallis, Oregon State. And he wanted X, Y, and Z. He wanted a, a four-bedroom house. He wanted a, a gym that was in his house. He wanted uh, pretty much about a million-dollar deal when it's all said and done. Oregon State kind of just laughed. And he shopped that around, ended up at West Virginia. Now, and, and mind you, Slovis hadn't really done very much. Am, am I getting, am I, did I say Slovis? I, I think it might have been JT Daniels. Apologies. Daniels hadn't done very much. 
besides what he was coming out of high school. He's kind of just done what he's needed to do since high school. But he's he's shopping around, and he's going to make money off of it. And that is another bin. And I think that bin's a little smaller than the first bin I mentioned, but both bins are important. And so when you start freaking out about, oh, this is the new norm. Well, yes, the transfer portal is the new norm. But look at, you know, what's happened so far for Penn State. Nothing outrageously crazy in the transfer portal. I mean, there's been some there's been some movements, but it hasn't been nuts. And I, and I think it'll, it'll come up on the screen in a second for you. But they only have five guys in the portal right now. Christian Vayer, who, I mean, respect to him, but he, he's going to have to go find somewhere else to play. Drew Aller's there. Bo Perbula's coming in. They might go try to get somebody. But, I mean, what, what would you want him to do? He's not leaving because he thinks he's better than everybody else. He's leaving because he just wants to play football. I don't blame him at all. Rodney McGraw didn't play very much. Respect him. Didn't play very much. Jeffrey Davis Jr. cornerback didn't play very much. Malik McNeil was only a freshman. Not a hundred percent sure of the reasoning. I think maybe he just needed a new scenery. And then finally, the one that just happened today, Devon Talley, a former four-star uh, prospect from the 2021 class, he's in the portal. But those five guys aren't the Drake Mays. Those five guys aren't the potential starters at another Big Ten school besides maybe Christian Bayer. And honestly, I love Christian Bayer. I think Christian Bayer is a power five quarterback. But there are a lot of quarterbacks right now in the transfer portal. And it it could potentially be hard for him to find a place where he's going to start right away. So I, I think I, I hope the best for him. But I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a little bit tricky for him. So that's where it's all kind of kind of gone. So I know people are worried about it, but I think it's going to simmer starting probably next year. And it's going to get a little bit better after that. It's a new thing. COVID NIL plays a large role into what we're seeing so far. So just keep that in mind as we move through this. Let's move on. Um, people asked me earlier, like portal needs. What do we need, right? What, what, what does Penn State need in the portal? I think one of the biggest things, and I have them all listed here, is wide receiver, right? And I mentioned this with a little bit with Adam, but I think it's important we talk about it again. Penn State's got an opportunity here, folks. Drew Aller, there was no red flag when he played this year. Very optimistic about his future. If this is the five-star guy that Penn State's been waiting for, as Adam just said on the, earlier in the show, When's the last time they really had a guy like this that they've been able to kind of groom from the beginning, get him some positive playing time? I mean, this is exactly what you want. And now, and we're about to talk about it in depth. Penn State's got one, two, three, four, maybe even five options in the transfer portal as far as wide receiver that we just know about. Got to get one of them. Got to maybe get two of them. Maybe not two of the top five, but you got to find a way to get at least one of these guys in the top five. You have got, if the bag exists, you've got to throw the bag at one of these guys, right? You've got to find a way to get one of these guys on campus. And I'm going to talk about all of them individually in a second. 
But wide receiver is the biggest portal need you have because you want to put as much talent around Drew Aller as you possibly can. Because if you can't do that, if you cannot put weapons around this guy, you are going to miss the opportunity of a lifetime. And I do not know how that ends when it's all said and done. So you've got to take advantage of this right here, right now. If you have the chance, you bring in as many of these guys as you can. And you hope they work out because you have got to give your five-star quarterback as many weapons as possible to be successful. It's like having the franchise quarterback and then not and not helping them out. He's already got the fantastic left tackle in Olu Fashion who coming back. He's got a couple other guys along the offensive line coming back. He's going to have what we think to be a pretty good defense. Surround him with a surefire wide receiver core. He's got the good running backs. He's got a good tight end crew. We don't know if Brenton Strange is coming. Just, just give him a couple more weapons on in the wide receiver core and, and, and hope for the best. But don't let the reason Drew Aller fails be because you didn't supply enough weapons. Do not let that be the reason. If he ends up not being the guy we thought he was, that's one thing. But do not let it be because there wasn't enough good weapons around him. I beg of you. So wide receiver at the top of my list. Gotta gotta secure that before anything. I, I think it's close with defensive line. I think you gotta get a defensive lineman too, an interior guy. Now I'm not gonna subscribe to the nonsense that drew that, that James Franklin spewed after the Michigan game regarding gotta be bigger inside. They looked fine against Wisconsin. They looked fine against Minnesota. They looked fine against Ohio State. They've looked fine against these teams before with maybe even smaller guys. So I'm not subscribing to that specific nonsense, but having a 300 pound guy like PJ Mustafer is good to have around. And you don't have one of those guys on your roster. Um, Beeman's not going to be him. Zane Durant's not going to be him. Vandenberg's not going to be him. Izzard's potentially getting there, but not quite there. If you can get a big guy up front to clog the holes, you're going to, you're going to want to try to get him. Right. But even if you can't get a big guy, you want to get somebody to to improve that depth. So you want to go to the defensive line. If there's an edge guy out there, you get him because you don't you can't have enough edge guys. Get as many edge guys as you possibly can. No doubt about it. But you got to get wide receiver. You got to get defensive line. Um, we don't know what, yet if Nick Tarburton can come back. He technically can. We'll see. I'm not too worried about defensive end as is, but. Same with uh, Adisa Isaac. Uh, offensive line. I think, again, you'd be crazy if there was a guy you liked, which we'll talk about a couple, you have to go get. It'd be silly not to. And then finally, cornerback. You're going to lose Joey Porter Jr. You only got one more year left with Kalen King. You might only have one more year left with Johnny Dixon, and you might only have one year left with Daquan Hardy. Marquise Wilson's pretty much out the door, I believe. He 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 was He walked on senior day. So, and Christian Driver switched to wide receiver. So you got Cam Miller there. Jeffrey Davis is in the transfer portal. Um, you're going to want some more depth there. So you could look to the, the cornerback position too. And I got two defensive backs, at least, that I want to talk about tonight. So those are the positions I think you got to consider. Um, let's start with wide receiver because I think it's a big one, right? And that's Dante Sivas. This is the guy, I think, if you can go get somebody, you go get him. He visited Penn State before. Um, 
he has one of the best obvious resumes around. I mean, you can't argue with that, right? I mean, he, he's got over 100 catches in two years at Kent State, almost 2,000 yards receiving, over 10 touchdowns receiving. He was a teammate with Daquan Hardy and Tank Smith at Penn Hills High School in Pittsburgh. They're already advocating for him to come. I think this is a guy you can't miss out on, to be honest with you. He's got offers from pretty much everybody, right? UGA, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, UCLA. Just to name a couple, he plans on visiting Penn State this weekend, and he wants to be enrolled in January. I I think you got to throw the bag at him. I think you got to get this guy right here, right now. Pennsylvania guy, the best in the state. Stay home, right? You, then you you got to go get this guy. I don't watch a bunch of action football, but from what I've heard, this is the real deal. Make it happen. Make it happen. Let's go to another guy high on the list. We were asked about this guy too, and that is Dante Thornton, former Penn State commit, six foot five guy, still got some really good speed. Never really flourished at Oregon. I think he had a couple injuries or two that maybe slowed him down for a little bit. Uh, had a good day against USC, I believe. Maybe I'm getting that confused with somebody else. Um, but regardless, 24-7 sports has him as the third best wide receiver in the transfer portal right now. He's good friends with Curtis Jacobs. He's originally from Baltimore, Maryland. We use that relationship. Let's do it. Uh, 26 catches, 500 yards, and three touchdowns at Oregon. He's getting offers from pretty much everybody, right? USC, FSU, Penn State, Michigan, and Miami are the ones to pay attention to. I saw like a weird uh, WordPress. I'm not sure who put that out. One of his buddies maybe of, of who to who he's really considering. I think it's going to be tough for him to not go to USC. He's got a, he's, I think he has a friend there as well. So I think actually, I'm sorry. I know that he's close with Caleb Williams. So that, that could be tough, but, uh, but I think this is one Penn state's definitely in the race for, uh, would like to see Penn state come away with it. Let's go to the next guy, Jimmy Horn, Jr. USF wide receiver. I think he had, I'm, I'm not sure how many touchdowns he had in the last two years, but last season he had four total touchdowns, 500 yards, uh, 37 catches. Nothing outstanding. Speedster. Speed that absolutely kills. Can take a handoff and go not, you know, 88 and out the gate. Wants to decide before Christmas. I think that's an important part of this. And uh, Colorado. So the story here, when he... Uh, when he decided to commit to USF, Jackson State was in his final three, top three. And that was when Deion Sanders was at Jackson State. So Colorado is definitely going to be somebody interested in here. He has a relation to somebody at Houston as well. So Houston's definitely in the thick of things here as well. So going to be tough. I, I, I'm i not putting too much faith in this one. But, uh, but again, a speedster that could really stretch the field for Penn State. And a guy I really like, I don't really know how likely he is, to be honest with you. But a guy I really like, the final wide receiver I want to talk about today, Dorian Singer. Arizona wide receiver, 66 catches, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. He led the Pac-12 in receiving. Colorado, Oregon, Penn State, Miami have offered him. I'm sure it's more than that probably even by now. Um 
I like this guy. Had nice little one-handed catch we put on Twitter. This this dude's for real. This dude's for real. He, he he's got a little lankiness to him, but he's got uh, some good height to him. I like him a lot, and I I think Penn State would would go after this guy hard. To be honest with you, I, I don't know how inclined he is to to come over to Penn State. But I think it's someone you want to go after. 24-7 Sports has him as a number four wide receiver in the class. Uh, Dorian Singer from Arizona. Again, he I think he's the guy that showed out against USC. Just to, just to keep that in mind. Uh, two more guys I have graphics for, but there's a couple more guys I want to talk about. But those are all the wide receivers. So that's four wide receivers there. If Penn State could somehow end up with two of those guys, I think they'd be in great shape. Probably not going to happen. If they can get one, I'd feel pretty good. Uh, let's go to the defense. Elijah Judy doesn't plan to decide to January. I saw on Twitter he's visiting Colorado, Boston College, Nebraska, and Syracuse. There might be a fifth visit in there, but it hasn't happened yet. He, he's from Northeast High School in Philadelphia. I don't really know if this is going to happen. He, he's a former Texas A&M player. I don't know if this one's going to happen, guys. I haven't heard really very much that this is this is really even in consideration. So I wouldn't hold out on this guy too much. I know we've, we've put him on Twitter quite a bit, but Elijah Judy is a guy that I haven't really heard much about. So I'm going to say I would be surprised if it kind of goes, you know, happens. We'll see. Kyrie Jackson, corner from Alabama, defensive back from Alabama. Uh-oh. I might have messed up this graphic. I might not have Kyrie Jackson's graphic, unfortunately. Number tw- number two corner in the 2021 class. It's a former Juco guy. He did get suspended at Alabama. We don't know why. So there's maybe a concern there to a certain degree. Pretty much offered by everybody in the country coming out of Juco. Played two years. I think he's played in 21 games. Alabama played against Georgia in the national championship. I think he started against Georgia. Played a lot of football. Uh, again, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but but Kyrie Jackson's another guy that they've offered. We'll see if anything comes comes from it, but uh, I wouldn't hold your breath too much on that. I do have a couple more guys I wanted to mention real quick, and that is. Uh, a couple more guys. I mean, by couple, I mean four. Uh, Ventral Cypress, cornerback from Virginia. Silver lining with all the, the what happened at Virginia and, and the shooting and everything. They are going to give everybody another year of eligibility. So uh, a rare W from the NCAA, if I will. But that's good to hear. But Ventral Cypress, number one player in the 24-7 sports transfer portal right now. He's got offers from everybody. Notre Dame, Michigan, Tennessee, Texas, LSU. I don't think Penn, he's going to come to Penn State, but he's the he's the guy. If you can go get a guy like that, that'd be fantastic. I don't know if that actually happens or not, um, but but he's the dude. He is the dude. I wanted to mention, too, Tony Grimes was a corner from North Carolina that was down pretty much between UNC and Penn State. Went to UNC, played a lot early. Wasn't amazing at UNC, um, but is looking to transfer. I know Penn State fans are like, oh, yeah, I remember Tony Grimes. Not amazing, but we'll see where, where he might end up. It obviously had the, the star talent to be really effective. 
maybe played too early when he was at North Carolina. I got three more guys I want to mention. Offensive line, Ajani. Is it Ajani? I want to double check that, make sure I don't mess up his name. It might be Ajayi. Cornelius from Rhode Island. Offensive tackle. He's got offers from everywhere. And I mean everywhere. I have... Yeah, I don't even have them all. Because they're just everywhere. Tennessee, Auburn, Oregon. Just everybody is wanting this guy... And I want to make sure I say it right. A Johnny, a Johnny Cornelius, six foot four, three hundred fifteen pound offensive lineman from Rhode Island. He's an he's a guy that would potentially play tackle, potentially probably play guard. Um, wants to commit before Christmas, so we'll see what he wants to do. He wants to take visits. I haven't heard where he might take visits too. Thought Pence could be involved in this, but now I mean everyone's offered him. I don't know at this point. He, and he's been he's been pretty much ready to rock and roll as far as visits since last week. So we're at the wait and see what kind of happens there. Um let's go offensive tackle, Jeremiah Byers. This is a recent one. This happened literally a couple minutes before we went on air tonight. All conference USA as a freshman. I think he was honorable mention this year. Started 13 games in 2021, offensive tackle for UTEP. Don't think he's going to stay at UTEP. You know, I was saying some of those guys go in, they come back out. He's not going to stay at UTEP. He's going to try to go somewhere. Penn State has offered him. Uh, another guy, again, you take these guys if you can because they're that good. So we'll see what happens with buyers. That was a newer offer, so I don't have very much information. And then finally, I want to talk about Darian Varner. Defensive lineman for Temple, all AAC, all American conference. Six foot two guy, had 12 and a half TFLs in 10 games. Seven and a half of those were sacks. So, and I think he has over 10 sacks in two years so far at Temple. So, this guy's pretty solid. I think he weighs about 260, but before last year, he dropped 30 pounds. So, he's got a good frame, can do a lot of different things with it. Um, don't even know if he's been offered yet by Penn State. I think I saw Old Dominion's offered him, but a guy that close to home, you think maybe, and obviously with the arm that'd be KD already kind of there, maybe you can get him. Now, technically, he Arnold that'd be KD wasn't there when Varner was there, but but maybe something comes of that. We'll see. Um, and finally, I got one more guy. I'm sorry. I got one more guy I wanted to mention. That's Terry Roberts, a defensive back from Iowa. Only has one interception this last year. He's originally from Erie, Pennsylvania. Was teammates with center Juice Scruggs at Erie. So a little bit of a connection there. Doesn't have a great offer list yet. I think Penn State's on it. Minnesota's on it. Delaware's on it. University of Northern Iowa is on it. Not crazy yet. Good ball skill guy in right place, right time. Hasn't really put a lot on film. But Terry Roberts is a guy to pay attention to. Again, defensive back from Iowa. And those are all the transfer portal guys I have right now. Obviously, that could change and become more drastic here tomorrow. Um, but that's who I wanted to talk about right now. So I appreciate you guys Let me get through that. I got some 2023 updates for you as far as the recruiting class, and then we're going to get out of here. I want to preface this all by saying first, 24-7 Sports, Blue White Illustrated. Blue White Illustrated's got a lot of free stuff on YouTube, which I love. 
24-7 Sports got some free stuff and they got some stuff behind the paywall. We don't talk about the stuff behind the paywall on here because that's not really fair to us. Um, or it's, it's not fair to us. It's not fair to them if we do that. So we, we don't do that. Try not to do that at least. Um, so you should consider subscribing to those platforms. Again, Blue and White Illustrated, they put a lot out for free. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, just saying. Just saying. Um, 2023 update, though. So this is kind of a long way of saying. And, and by the way, I want to get back to a comment that happened about 40 minutes ago by John Robinson. Better get another quarterback in the portal. Before. If we're going to wrap up the portal discussion real quick. Yes, I think you got to go ahead and get a guy, a quarterback, if you can. I already kind of mentioned it. If there's a guy out there that doesn't mind being the backup guy but could play if Drew Aller gets hurt and has experience, you got to find him and you got to go get him, right? I don't know how many people want to sign up for that role, but maybe somebody does. Maybe not right now, but maybe in a month or so. We'll see. Uh, I think I think you got to try to go do that. So thank you again for those questions. Thank, for, thank you guys for being around on YouTube. I appreciate that as I kind of continue this solo for a little bit. Let's wrap it up with the 2023 class again. We're just two weeks away from early signing day. So things are getting crazy. A lot of updates. Terry Smith said like a month ago that things were going to get spicy. Like they were going to take maybe three or four more guys. And we were looking at our sheets. And we were like, who could these guys be? Who are you talking about? We found some. I think it's already been announced pretty much everywhere. Let's start with the big one off the bat. I 100% expect this weekend for Penn State to get a commit from Mason Robinson, defensive lineman. He's originally, or he's currently, I guess, technically still committed to Northwestern. Northwestern fired their defensive coordinator, and they fired their defensive line coach. Cares about academics is really Stanford, Penn State, Northwestern. I think there's been enough of a lean there where he's considering Penn State seriously. Uh Originally from Maryland, goes to McDonough High School. That's where Denai Dennis Sutton's from. That's where Curtis Jacobs from. They got a lot of guys from McDonough High School over the years. However, the interesting thing that Sean Fitz said on Blue White Illustrated yesterday was that Robinson originally didn't want to follow in Denai Dennis Sutton's footsteps. And so maybe it was the reason why he didn't want to go to Penn State. But that seems maybe not to be the case. Would not be surprised if Mason Robinson, who's visiting this weekend, uh, commits to Penn State. Very solid player. Um, had a really good senior year. Put some really good film out there. So Mason Robinson, expect to commit for the 2023 class. I'd be surprised if that doesn't happen. Let's stay in the commit talk. Let's go uh, all the way down to Joseph Mapoye. Guy we've talked about on the show quite a bit. Three-star guy. He's teammates with Zion Tracy. He's also visiting this weekend. Potentially seen as a little bit more of a project. I don't think he's 100% put together as much as like maybe the Robin, Mr. Robinson is. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Anyway, um, but I think Mapoye very well could commit. Another three-star guy could commit this weekend as well. So that gives you a little bit more comfort as far as defensive line moving into 2023 with with those two guys uh if mapoye doesn't happen this weekend if, if robinson doesn't happen this weekend i think it's coming really soon so those that, that's kind of the splash news if you will as far as as far as recruiting goes but there's a couple other guys i wanted to talk about 
Daniel Harris. We talked about him a couple times in the last two or three episodes. Cornerback originally committed to Georgia. He decommits, four-star guy from down there in Florida. I think anyone who says they know what's going on with him doesn't know what's going on with him. I mean, I, I don't think anybody knows. I don't know if Daniel Harris 100% knows yet. Coaching staff was down there a couple times. We'll have to wait and kind of see what's going on there. Georgia was battling back a little bit. Then Georgia didn't really want him because they had other guys. Now Georgia really wants him again. Not sure what's exactly going on there. But Penn State's in the very, very thick of things there. Once to decide before early signing day, I have in my notes. So we'll we'll see if that ends up happening or not. Hopefully it does. I think it would be better for Penn State if it happens sooner than later. Roger Pleasant. A guy I think Sean and I kind of wrote off a little bit. I'm not saying it's happening. I think it's not close to being done from what I've heard. Again, mostly from this from Blue and White Illustrated. Uh, This could go all the way into February. Early signing days in two weeks. But these guys could, you know, they could go all the way to February to the normal signing day if they want to. So this one could could go the distance. West Coast guy, though, makes me a little bit worried. I think the only reason Penn State's really in this is because of Terry Smith. And, and again, just what a job that Terry Smith has done. I mean, just incredible. Uh, so I'm not saying expect anything from Pleasant, but what I'm saying is keep, an, you know, keep one eye on Pleasant. That's all. Conrad Hussey, four-star safety, committed to Penn State. Again, Fort Lauderdale guys, Santa Aquinas High School. We, we think they're okay, but Miami wants Hussey bad. I'm not again saying to be worried yet, but I think Miami's going to try to try to battle to get back in that one. So pay attention to that one. I don't have this on the list, but Dakari Nelson had a really good day at camp. I think Brian. Oh no, I don't think it was Brian Doan from 24/7. I think it might have been Steve Wilthon from from 24/7 was was at a camp and put some highlights. We put it retweeted some of them on the Twitter account at Hardcore PSUFB. But Dakari Nelson was looking pretty good today, uh, so that's comforting. Just random defensive back in the south thought there. Cam Wallace, interesting guy, running back kind of guy. Georgia Tech versus Penn State for this one. From Georgia, but he's been on campus. Keep an eye on Cameron Wallace. Athlete technically, but keep an eye on that one. Uh, Keyshawn Blackstock, excuse me, not Stack, Stock. Keyshawn Blackstock, interior offensive lineman, Juco guy, top five Juco guy. Uh, James Franklin is out there visiting. They they visited uh, quite a bit. He's actually visiting Penn State this weekend as well. That's another guy you might see a commitment from this weekend. I should have maybe included that earlier. I wouldn't be supply, surprised if that one comes to fruition. Um, Edwin Joseph, just I, I heard it on YouTube. I don't think Edwin Joseph was that serious about coming to Penn State, but he is visiting Florida State this weekend. I just had a little note there. I wanted to tie that in. Christopher Johnson. Not coming to Penn State this weekend. Originally was going to come. From what I was literally text messaged on my phone here, Penn State canceled the visit on Christopher Johnson. I don't know what that means. Running back, not sure what that exactly means. Maybe they already know what they want. They got Montgomery. They might have another guy they like in someone I'm about to talk about in a second. Not sure. But they canceled the they canceled the visit for whatever that means. 
Another guy, running back, Kedrick Erskano. Former Michigan State quarter commit, not quarterback, commit, visiting this weekend. Was just here on October 30th, so, you know, he's been around. He's a top 10 running back, four-star guy. I don't know if a commit's happening yet, but pay attention to him, too. And, again, if he's thinking about it, you know, you can only take so many running backs, and maybe that's the reason for a cancellation. But, again, that's fully, fully speculation. And then, finally, quarterback Jackson Smollett is supposed to be visiting this weekend as well. So, there you have it. 2023 news. I am not the recruiting guy. Sean Kane is much more the recruiting guy than I am. But that's for you. I don't know why I pointed up like he's dead. Sean Kane's not dead. Just not here tonight. Um, but that's for you, Sean. I Hopefully I, I made you proud of my recruiting prowess today. It took, me, it took a lot out of me, to be honest with you. But I appreciate it. Um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you again to Adam Bittner for joining us. Gonna try to put some. Uh, if you made it this far in the podcast, it means you're probably a really big fan. Gonna try to put some more merch items in a merch store. So pay attention for that. Gonna get the bull challenge up and running here shortly. So pay attention to that. And we got, a, I think, a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. I don't think a review has came in yet because I was looking for the review. Sometimes the rating shows up before the review. Um, but we are five away, ladies and gentlemen. Five away from a five-star review. So if you're listening and you have not dropped a five-star review, we will read it on the show and we will send you a sticker. Drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to get to 100 before the before the Rose Bowl finishes up. So that'd be that'd be fantastic. Um, but that's all I have. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. We will be back Sunday night, not Sunday morning. Sunday night. John Kane will be joining me. Until then, thank you to Adam Bittner. Thank you for you guys on YouTube that hung out. If you haven't already liked the video and subscribed, please do so, and we'll see you Sunday. Thank you so much, and you guys take care. Cheers, everybody.